On this week's Big Tech Show, when will cars safely drive themselves on our streets? And who in Ireland is providing the technology to help them do that? We talk to one of the country's biggest automotive autonomy entrepreneurs. I have BMW Drive Assist in my own vehicle and it is much, much safer because we are all prone to distraction, especially when we're on the motorway from Limerick to Dublin, for example. We've all been there where you actually forgot a whole section of the road. So I would say if you take it from a safety perspective and it does allow you to kind of relax. The Big Tech Show, available on all podcast platforms. Shachtan and Indo Askeliga. Time imon irukti yen of chakt erachor. Agus suligam a makan sha gurfeder erachor inuik kiart len of winter thing. Skilti fis turmi. Tashi dochrecha nach vetoch ara igornamyan on kestin ekol. Vien talam aginam griv orkar nrachtum. Find us on all the usual podcast platforms. We can't beat this virus one country at a time. We have to make sure that those who are still most vulnerable to infection are getting the vaccine, no matter who they are or where they are. There is, I mean, a 2,000 year history of uh, doubting Thomases in, in this part of the world. And I guess their, their modern successor is the, uh, the people questioning the consensus around the booster shot. We haven't fully vaccinated our over 18 year olds, in my view. I think three doses is full vaccination. So if we want to protect them, that's what we have to do. As COVID-19 rumbles on, the world is fast becoming a tale of two halves. As the vaccine distribution divide between rich and poor countries continues to grow, so too does criticism. When they see billionaires joyriding to space while millions go hungry on Earth. I'm Fiona Sheen, and in this episode of the Indo Daily, we're looking at Ireland's ethical dilemma as we ramp up our own booster jab programme. Will it put even more distance between us and other countries in the vaccine race? Or is it more important for a nation to protect their own? And what is happening in other parts of the world? My guests today are Kingston Mills, Professor of Experimental Immunology at Trinity College Dublin. Daniel Rosehill speaks to us from Israel and Quiva Dabara, CEO of Trokra. A majority of the wealthier world vaccinated. Over 90% of Africans still waiting for the first dose. This is a moral indictment of the state of our world. It is an obscenity. We pass the science test, but we are getting an F in ethics. Professor Kingston Mills, just last month we heard the UN Secretary General Antonio Guterres reprimand the world over the inequality in COVID-19 vaccines, calling it an F in ethics. That was how he put it. Is he right in terms of the manner in which the vaccines are being distributed between the developed and the developing world? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of inequality here in, in this. As there, are, as there are many other facets of life, um, and, and this is no exception. So, um, you know, the developed world has, um, you know, managed to get their hands on by paying for them significant numbers of doses of vaccines. And, and the developed world are still, uh, de- uh, developing world rather, are still trying to um, catch up and they're a long way behind. Um, and I think, you know, that there are some moves, um, for example, the AstraZeneca vaccine has been manufactured in, in India and that's been 
been used to very good effect. And I think some of the other um, companies maybe need to follow suit with Pfizer, Moderna and Johnson Johnson in making them available through manufacturing locations in, in developing countries. At the peak of India's second wave, one person died from COVID-19 every four minutes in the country's capital of Delhi. What does it say about countries like Ireland then that we're already talking about a, a booster program when we, we know well that developing world countries that we actively support through, through our, our aid programs, we've got aid agencies working in them, we know full well that they are nowhere near us in terms of their level of vaccination. I mean, I, I, th I think the question perhaps is, uh, is it right to be um, boosting people in a country like Ireland when uh, some countries where people have had no vaccine? And there's certainly an ethical question there. On the other hand, uh, we've given two doses of vaccine to some people who are not protected, whereas we know if we gave them a third dose, they would be protected. So what, the question really is then, have you wasted the first two doses? And is it for nothing if you know that a third dose will get them a level of immunity? And, and that's, that's uh, consistent with the data that's emerging now from many studies around the world. For example, one in Israel that showed that the efficacy in, it dropped as low as 50% after two doses, six months after two doses of the Pfizer vaccine, um, but that was um, uh, brought back up to 95% after a third immunization, at least in the short term. So showing the huge benefit of boosters. And we know that older people, people underlying medical conditions don't respond as well. And they may not be immune from even two doses, uh, you know, if, especially when it's several months, up to six months and more since they've been first vaccinated. Remember, the first vaccines were given in Ireland well over six months ago. So there's a, there's a cohort of people in Ireland that are not going to be protected against the, 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 vac against the virus. And if you give them a third dose of vaccine, it's very likely they will be protected. So there's a very strong argument to be said for following up with a third dose here right now. We're effectively doubling down on, on our vaccine program then by going with a booster program. But as you say, given the gap between the the initial uh, vaccines and now the boosters, is, is are we coming to the game too late in terms of rolling out the boosters or, or do you still think it's there, there's a, an adequate opportunity to actually make an impact here? Oh, there's definitely an opportunity to make an impact. I mean, you know, we can see by the numbers of cases we're having and the number of hospitalizations, we still have a significant problem and it doesn't look like easing in the shorter term. So, you know, we, we, we have to avert um, those cases that are resulting in hospitalization and, um, and not to put the, the health service under more pressure this winter like it was the previous winter. So we're pretty close to capacity in, in, in some ICU settings and, you know, that has to be addressed. And, and one way of addressing it is through booster vaccination. So it's absolutely not too late. And um, the effects of a booster will be seen as early as 10 days after the booster. So um, I think, you know, this, this, this is going to happen anyway for the over 80s and for the people in nursing homes that are over 65 and, and people with underlying medical conditions. But I think eventually it needs to happen. And, 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 you know, it's already been agreed, in fact, that the over 60s will be the next in line to get boosters, but they won't be getting them until um, six months after they've had the, the second dose um, in the original vaccination schedule. And is it your view then that the booster should be rolled out to the entire adult population uh, in line with the initial vaccine programme? 
I think some countries are doing this. And I think the other thing to say that is that the companies are working on new versions of the vaccine, which are specifically designed to protect against the variants of concern. Remember that the vaccine we're currently using was designed to protect against the Wuhan strain, but that's moved on considerably with the emergence of alpha, beta, gamma, delta strains, all of which are different. And so the, the vaccines are actually struggling somewhat to contain the variants because they've changed their, their, their structures. And it means that the antibody responses are not as effective against these strains as they would have been against the original vaccine. So the companies have made um, variants of the vaccines that particularly that will particularly protect against the, against the Delta and other variants. These are not they, they, these have been tested, but they're not yet been approved. Once they're approved, there will be a very strong argument for using these um, new versions of the vaccine um, for, for the booster campaign in in in, in the new year. So the public are hearing a lot now about the the Russian variant. How do you see that Im- impacting um, on on the spread of the virus at this point? Um, at the moment, the Delta variant is a dominant one here and in most countries. There are s- small numbers of cases of lots of other variants. Um, and the most prob- probably the most worrying one is the Mu variant. And um, it, w- it has um, a-, a mutation which is in addition to what the Delta has, somewhat similar to what the South African or Beta variant had. And it's known that that is the one that's most difficult to neutralize by the, the neutralizing antibodies that the, that the vaccines generate. So, if it were to get hold, um, it, it would be, you know, even bigger concern because the vaccines are less likely to work against it. But the good news is that it's not actually as transmissible as the Delta variant, which means it's less likely to take over from the Delta variant. So the Delta variant is extremely transmissible, and that's that's the reason it has become the dominant strain. But that's not to say there won't be another variant that will acquire, um, you know, the, the capacity to transmit even more significantly. Than than the Delta variant. But if we get everyone vaccinated and protected, then we mitigate and boost it. We mitigate against the risk of, of further variants spreading amongst our populations. And it doesn't look like that like certainly widespread population-based boosting of the population is likely to be something that we'll be recommending uh, in the near future based on current evidence because we see a fairly persistent good quality protection for people who are younger uh, in terms of their immunity okay. and in particular their protection against the severe effects of the disease, which is good news in terms of the performance of the vaccines. Have you just explained the, the COVID conundrum there? Because what, what I suppose members of the public are really struggling to get their head around is we have we've got one of the, the best vaccine rollouts uh, per head of population in the world. And yet our COVID numbers are, are rising so dramatically. So is that just literally down to the to the, trans, the transmissibility of the, the Delta variant? There's no doubt there's, a, there's, a, there's, a, there's an element of that in it. Um, um, you know, we, we, most of Europe now have, have got, um, you know, similar levels of, of vaccination. We were a little bit ahead of, of many countries initially. And Britain were, were the first, in fact. And it is ironic that both Britain and Ireland are the two that are probably doing the worst in terms of number of cases. But that may be a re- there may be a, a sort of a, an explanation there in that both Britain and Ireland started 
very quickly and they got a lot of people vaccinated very quickly but and that was great we saved lots of of cases and we prevented lots of people from going to hospital and we prevented lots of deaths as a result of doing that but the the downside of that now is that that our population probably have more waning immunity than populations in countries that were slower to roll it out and that actually makes a stronger argument for for um, introducing the boosters in 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 countries that start the campaign early and that's exactly what Israel are doing and they've turned around a situation of having huge number of cases a month ago you know it was out of control in Israel because and, and that was largely down to waning immunity and they showed the immunity had dropped to 50 percent the protection of efficacy of the two doses had dropped to 50 percent and now it's back up with the booster campaign to 95 percent efficacy and the numbers of cases have dramatically decreased in Israel so that's I think a, you know a, a good example of what might happen here in Ireland with the with the benefit of the booster campaign. The third jab of the COVID vaccine is no longer limited to adults. Israel has now made it available to children over 12. Prime Minister Naftali Bennett has pushed them to get it immediately. Israel had close to no new cases reported in May after its first vaccination campaign, but daily infections of vaccinated and unvaccinated people rose again to more than 10,000 in August. Local health authorities hope a third shot will curb the spread of the contagious Delta variant and limit severe illnesses. Daniel Rosell joins us now from Jerusalem. Daniel, can you talk me through the situation in Israel where COVID-19, the vaccine rollout happened and then the booster vaccines happened after that? Hi, Fionan. So, yeah, um, that's the situation is that they they did, Israel rolled out a, a third shot uh, campaign very, very quickly. And um, that's been going on now for a while now. The population here is just over 9 million and uh, 3.8 million people to date have uh, taken that booster shot. So it's definitely not all of the population, but they're trying as best as they can to push it, um, including the Green Pass system here. So they made it mandatory if you want to continue with the Green Pass. And without the Green Pass, you can't get into bars, nightclubs, uh, you know, all these things. Now Now you're required to have that booster shot. And if you have not had that booster shot, you can't go to cinemas, you can't go to hotels. Uh, you're kind of left out in the cold. So that's kind of the situation right now. So this is the, the same as our own COVID cert that you'll be familiar with from talking to, to friends and, and family back, back home in Ireland, where if I go to a pub or a restaurant or hotel, I'm supposed to uh, have have my, my vaccine pass either physically or on, or on, or on my phone. And that, that shows that you're, you're, you're fully vaccinated. So in your case, it's not only that you're fully vaccinated, but that, that you're booster vaccinated as well on top of that. Exactly. So um, there's kind of spot checks. It's exactly that kind of a system. There is a smartphone application and uh, you can also just print it out and uh, show somebody the QR code. And uh, generally now enforcement is a different issue. Um, Some places are not checking at all, but they are supposed to be restaurants, museums, festivals, gyms, hotels, conferences, cinemas. The list really goes on. And there's somebody generally at the door and exactly it has written down uh, either your certifi- certificate of recovery or the fact that you've had those three shots with the dates and all the details there. So there's no real way to work around the system if you want to live a normal life. And and is life normal uh, as, as such 
I mean, it's 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 normal. It's normal to the extent it can be right now. Israel still has um, it's to come into the country. They're talking about reopening now in November for foreign tourists. So, given that there's very little inbound tourism, um, things are closing very early. So, in uh, Jerusalem, where I live, in the city center, uh, I was trying to get myself some uh, falafel last night at uh, half ten, and uh, there was nowhere open. And you know, in pre-COVID days. Thursday is kind of our equivalent of Saturday night, the main night of the weekend. And, you know, that would not have been an issue. So, yeah, Israel is very reliant upon inward tourism for its economy. And uh, there's a general sense of the country being a lot quieter over the course of the pandemic. So falafel at half ten is kind of our equivalent for getting the kebab coming out of coppers uh, on a Saturday night <laughs> for you. On a, exactly. Same for you on a Thursday yeah. night. What's the mood like? I mean, do, do people feel that the booster vaccines have, have helped the situation? Yeah, I mean, the the mood is definitely optimistic. Now, obviously, given those numbers, the fact that not all of the population has had the vaccine, there are people who are simply refusing to get it. Uh, You know, there has been a 2000 year tradition in these parts of doubting Thomases and they have their modern modern successors in people uh, refusing to get the vaccine. So for the most part, people are optimistic and they understand that the evidence coming out at the moment Uh, In favor of the third dose, it's uh, 95.6% effective. Phase three trials show. So really the evidence is there that this is a great thing to have the vaccine. The government's forcing people basically to get it without forcing them. Uh, But there are people who are resistant and uh, uh, take take a revisionist view of the scientific uh, consensus. And and what about younger people your your own age and their attitude towards the, the booster vaccine? Did they did they feel it was a necessary measure, or did they think, well, listen, this is something for for vulnerable people with underlying conditions or the, the older population? So, I mean, in terms of my social circle, I think there was very, very little in terms of vaccine hesitancy. Uh, people were eager to continue with these uh, the things they can do, like going to bars, going to nightlife venues, because there was a time Israel had the longest amount of time in lockdown of any country. Last year, and there was a literally a restriction, you couldn't go a certain distance from your house, it changed a few times. So memories of that era are still fresh. And uh, people really want to be able to continue to live with COVID, which is the, the current approach of the government. So when they changed the sticks on the green pass system that you had to have that booster shot, uh, people were, were were kind of very eager to get those those vaccines, and I, I, you know, I booked my appointment in a couple of days. And it was very, very efficient. But uh, as, as I said, skeptics and doubting Thomases uh, do exist, and uh, you know, you, you, there, there has been skepticism about whether it's necessary or the evidence really supports it. But I would say that's a, a thin minority of people. I'm joined now by Quiva Debora, CEO of Trocra. Quiva. You have a particular view on whether the government should be rolling out vaccine boosters here in Ireland. Can you can you take us through that? So as Troker, we work in many of the world's most fragile contexts. And so what we're doing is we're bringing a perspective from the global situation to the debate here in Ireland. So what is happening globally, perhaps to people's surprise, is that the rate of vaccinations we've seen in Ireland is nowhere near matched in most of the world. Since the start of the holy month of Ramadan, Few people have turned up to receive the immunization, which is key in the fight against the global coronavirus pandemic. Dr. Uba Farah 
is the family health director at the Ministry of Health. The main cause that resulted in the slow pace of COVID-19 vaccination is the fasting of the holy month of Ramadan. Also, medical issues related to reported blood clots in some European countries cause some concerns. Likewise, the unfounded myth that states the vaccination could lead to infertility. About 130,000 Somalis have so far been vaccinated, but the remaining doses will expire in few months if not utilized. The countries we work in, like Somalia, South Sudan, Sierra Leone, 99% of those populations have not been vaccinated. As against 90% of our population here in Ireland, luckily, and we're very fortunate, have at least received one vaccine and 80% are fully vaccinated. So at this point, many of the world's global experts on the vaccine are saying that we have to consider the reality, which is that the virus will continue to mutate and spread while there are very low levels of immunisation happening across the rest of the world. So that is a scientific fact and it's in our interest to ensure that people everywhere get access to the vaccine. But there's also a very serious ethical and moral dilemma. Only one in 10 healthcare workers in Africa have been vaccinated. And that's against, thankfully, again, the vast majority here in Ireland and across Europe. But there is a hard reality to this. So, for example, Trokra works in Somalia, which is a huge country. Only 3% of the population of Somalia have had a vaccine. Trokra works in a region called Gedo in southern Somalia. The region is the size of the island of Ireland. It has a population of 300,000. We provide the only hospital and clinic and outreach services to that entire population. And after two years of the virus almost, only one third of our staff our doctors, our clinicians, our nurses and our midwives have been vaccinated. And that is a supply issue. The, the vaccines are simply not getting through to countries like Somalia. Whereas here in Ireland and in the rest of the developed world, the issue is no longer supply, it's demand. Yeah, that is, that is shocking, those, those figures in the other part of it, because we've been patting ourselves on the back so ferociously for being the best in the world in terms of a, a vaccine rollout. And yet we do have, the point is we have responsibilities uh, elsewhere, but moral, ethical, and also your effective saying it's it's in our interest that there is a global combating of the virus here. It's, it's not just individual countries standing alone. It, that's exactly right. And one thing that we cannot do is beat this virus country by country. It's a global issue. So there have been initiatives, and in fairness to the Irish government, you know, the Irish government has put money behind the global COVAX regime, which was intended from the very outset to ensure that all countries that needed vaccines were able to access them. Now, rich countries also have accessed vaccines through the COVAX facility. And at this point, rich countries have pledged vaccines through COVAX, but the delivery is the problem. So while we are in our northern, richer, developed world, considering, and you know, there is a very strong justification for getting boosters out to both healthcare workers and people who are very vulnerable. But starting to talk about wider vaccine boosters across entire populations, there's a legitimate question as to whether this is the right thing to do, both epidemiologically and ethically. And that was Cuiva Dabara, CEO of Trokra. I'm Fiannan Sheen, and today's episode of the Indo Daily was produced by Siobhan Maguire, researched by Mary Carl and Tabitha Monaghan, with sound designed by John Smith. Archive clips courtesy of independent.ie and the BBC. You can listen to the Indo Daily wherever you get your podcasts.